From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, slow news day. Corey Clark joins us from the road, moving fast. Two thoughts we have as we try to fill a show for you folks. Pressure. Florida State, they're in a kind of a blissful window of being undefeated, but will expectations and rankings begin to weigh on the Knolls as the season wears on? And a thought exercise. Condensed transfer window this year. Would Florida State be at a disadvantage hitting the portal hard while other Blue Bloods are able to focus on their playoff semifinal preparations? Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. That is the website, 2475 Appalachian Parkway, physical address. Lunch specials Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. On Wednesdays, treat yourself to five-piece chicken wings and French fries. Best chicken wings in town, a lot of people say, the smart folks in town say. Again, $8.99. Five-piece chicken wings, however you want. Sauce, heat, you choose. And the French fries are $8.99 at the corner pocket bar and grill, cptallybar.com. The website, don't forget, Friday, meet and greet. Starts at 5 o'clock, ends at 6. But Corey Clark likes to hang around, shake those hands, interface with the folks that uh, enjoy his company as well as Jeff Cameron's, Tom Lang, some other folks from Warchant will be there as well. A little, little road noise introduced to the show as we bring Corey Clark in, who's joining us on the road. Corey Clark, how are you, man? I'm good, buddy. I just drove by an 18-wheeler as as we uh, as you brought me in, so that was that was great timing. But yeah, I'm driving up to Atlanta. Feel good. Feel great. I was gonna say, like, I feel like the Wednesday show. We need to maybe get some like a, a car manufacturer, maybe Carvana sponsor it, like on the road with Corey. But I don't mm. know if they'd want to promote driving and recording a podcast. But I'm doing all the technical aspect. Corey's just talking, um, so he doesn't have to. He's not distracted. He's focused on the road. Two eyes on the pavement in front of him. Right. It is hands free. I'm hands free. So there's nobody in danger. I'm not endangering anybody. Uh, we're good, man. We're good. And I, and I timed it where I'm avoiding the Atlanta traffic. Look at so that. I know it doesn't sound like it, but I really am avoiding most of the traffic. Awesome. All right. Good to hear, man. Uh, Corey posted a thread over on wordchant.com that has all the observations. Usually we do a, a full kind of breakout story, but uh, maybe not as much on the bone to talk about. But, Corey, one thing I did want to talk about from Tuesday's practice, we'll be back out there uh, later this morning as well, so stay connected to us over at warchant.com. Uh, period three, some of the more 11-on-11 situations they did run in practice, it, it seemed kind of run heavy, and not only run heavy, but successfully uh, able to run the ball, and, and not so much home run shots. I, I know it felt kind of like an afterthought, following the Virginia Tech game, like, oh, you know, the, the running game got back on track because it was, it seemingly was two huge runs by Trey Benson, but we saw some more sustained, you know, singles, doubles off the wall, if you will, as opposed to these home run shots. Just how important is it for Florida State to be able to have that running game, quote-unquote, back on track? It feels like this passing game really should be the thing that leads this offense because this quarterback is very talented and there's maybe only one other program that has as much talent catching the football in terms of skill players. Uh, so it feels like this thing should be riding and dying with the pass game. But how crucial is it as we head into October and then November as a championship run kind of starts uh, that this running game really does start to assert itself once again? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at last year, right, like when they went on that crazy run at the end of the season, it was a, mostly the running game. 
like if you go back and look, Miami, I think Jordan completed 10 passes. Syracuse, I think he threw for less than 200 yards. Like they did, the air game wasn't really a. I mean, it was it was, it was confident, it was good, but the re, the bread and butter was the running game. And I think as you play these types of teams, what you know, sometimes a passing game is off a tick. Sometimes it, the the rhythm isn't there. The timing just isn't quite there. But if you can run for 200 yards, you're going to win almost every game you play. So it's important. I think it's important, especially against these types of teams coming up, because that's where you exert your physical dominance. I think is by being able to run it, not not at will necessarily, but knowing going into a game you're going to run for 200 yards, it just gives you so much freedom to do anything you want. And it, you, you, it, I think it's very imperative that they get the running game going. Now that we've seen it, right? Now that we've seen what it looks like, I definitely think that. Did you did you notice any of that on Tuesday? Was that just maybe a weird observation on my part? But not so much. I feel like they kind of did stress a little bit more because 11 on 11, at least period three, seems to always be so – pass heavy because they go into kind of a, a hurry up mode where they want to move the ball down the field as fast as possible uh, but they seemingly you know handed the ball if it felt like a couple maybe more times than usual and hope not be giving out too much away coach but that kind of caught my and then later on in practice just to be able to see them pop off similar runs that they had against Virginia Tech uh, and not to you know begrudge the defense at all in this situation but but again you know it seems like uh, you know maybe they have found that sort of groove. I mean, did you sense at all on Tuesday that it's becoming maybe more of an emphasis because maybe it is something they want to lean on more as we head to this part of the schedule? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I, – I personally didn't notice uh, the, a big difference in run plays to pass plays. Um, but, I mean, it's not like we don't know that, right? Like, they, they don't – they're not going to throw it 60 times a game. They're just not. Now, this is an interesting game because Syracuse, they aren't all that easy to run on. They, fire, they have six guys in the line of scrimmage. They're coming from all angles, typically. They fire in gaps. They're, they're whatever, eighth in the country in tackles for loss. They're not an easy team to run on, but their pass defense is horrific. They do get a lot of sacks, but overall their pass defense is horrific. So maybe this game, I think personally, it would be more of a we, we throw to set up the run as opposed to vice versa. But they're all, like, like Atkins said on Monday, man, they're always trying to establish the run. That's what they're trying to do. And then the good news is if somebody takes away the run, like Syracuse I think will try to do, because they got kind of hammered last year in the running game, um, you, you have the ability to really make them pay through the air. Is it kind of crazy? I mean, you mentioned the, the run they went on last year in the second half of the season and how the passing game not wasn't necessarily leading the way, at least until they got into that Oklahoma game and then you know, the Florida game as well was kind of back and forth. But, you know, he completed 75% of his passes, so it feels weird to criticize at all uh, Jordan Travis. But in this day and age, and listen, we just talked about how effective the run game was. I don't know where or how the passing game gets better, but does it have to get better? It's, it's crazy to think that you have Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, and you're not still, even in a 39-point outbursts if you will like you're still not throwing for at least like 275 yards and I get the the run game did what it did on those home run shots but I mean is there anything what what leaves to be desired with the pass game if anything for you right now you know I talked about it on headlines a little bit um nothing really honest I think the passing game has been good um it's been efficient um again they're not getting a ton of plays they're like we talked about yesterday they're third in the nation in points per play they're top 10 in points per drive so they're very efficient offensively. They're just not getting a lot of at-bats, either um, 
just because of the new clock rules, because the defense always has a quarter where it can't get off the field, and an opposing team has an eight-minute drive. That happened again against Virginia Tech. Um, I, I think the passing game is fine. I just think, man, um, and I'm going to keep harping on it, uh, Destin Hill can be an X factor. I still think, I know he's only made one real catch that mattered. He's only got two on the season. He's a guy that can maybe make up in a close game, can win you a game. I, I just think he's a kid that can turn a six-yard crossing route into a 40-yard game-breaking play. Um, I think it's in there. I think it hasn't been utilized at all yet. Uh, but I do think that, that that is the one thing I'd like to see that we haven't seen. Um, is and again, it's not like a complaint because they're doing well, but you know, part of me wonders is it really better for Morlock to get four catches and Destin Hill only get one target? Hmm. Like, can you, you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. just it doesn't seem. And Morlock's an NFL player, man. I think Morlock's going to play in the NFL, he is a very talented kid, but you know, Destin Hill, I think, is a game breaker. Um, and I'm really interested to see what that what that pass that catch did. Norvell talked about it a little bit on on Tuesday after practice, what that catch in a game where, where it was still out of reach from the starting quarterback, where he wasn't open necessarily, what that can do for his confidence, and then what that can do in the quarterback's confidence to throw him the ball more. Because I legitimately think, and I could be wrong, I think he's going to be the best receiver on the team next year. And I think the second half of this season, you could be talking about another, like imagine if Destin Hill is, is who I think he is. You've got Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Destin Hill, and Jaheim Bell all on the field at the same time. Good luck. Somebody was going to be – and you got a quarterback that sees it pretty darn well. So good luck. I just think, to me, I would like to get um, another game-breaker established. Um, and whether it's, you know, whether it's Destin Hill, whether it's Ja'Kai Douglas, or maybe Morlock is the next Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I, the, you've got three guys that you think are really good players. I feel like you need to find a fourth in the passing game. Yeah, fair. fair. That's isn't that kind of a minor complaint? It's a it's yeah. a first world complaint, you know. Well, it's you're number four in the country. You're playing a team that you're you're that, that's outmatched, outmanned. So it's 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 hard to really kind of try to make this some sort of dramatic, big litmus test of a weekend. Even though you know we really shouldn't take anything for granted in this crazy season. Um, right. That is college football. What I like most about practice on Tuesday was. Not that they're relaxed, not that they're loose, but just like the right kind of notes are being hit out there in practice, whether it's like guys congratulating each other, coaches instructing, interrupting, encouraging guys. Um, you know, the schedule's worked out to be such a weird kind of, you know, these these dips, these up and down dips. And I think Ira's trying to kind of get to that when he asked Norvell about it on Monday about, you know, when you kind of control your own scheduling and non-conference stuff, you really want it to work out the way it did this year. Which I don't really think you do, but man, when you go four and zero in September, it's it's hard to argue against it otherwise. But it's just they're at a place right now. I, I just feel like well, they're they're not they're at the top four team, but like there's not a lot. Is there a lot of pressure on Florida State? Not necessarily this week, Corey, but it feels like they've survived these huge challenges. I'm really curious to see how they're going to perform from here on out because coming off the bye week, maybe there's a little bit of. You know, I don't want to say rust, but maybe just a little bit of a different mindset. Now that you're going back to back every single week, maybe Duke it turns up a little bit. I, I maybe with that primetime game, but like, is, do you think this is a team that's going to feel pressure at any point before we get to November, and then when we start seeing these college football playoff polls come out? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I, if you, I mean, I know you have, but other people that have listened to this show know that I don't take any necessarily any conference wins for granted, and I don't just assume you're going to blow anybody out because just look around. It's, it doesn't happen all the time. Um, you know, that said, they should handle Syracuse. Doesn't mean they will. We look, man. They almost lost to Boston College, so we all understand that uh, an awful upset is looming if they don't play well. But if they do play well, they're going to beat Syracuse comfortably. And I, I'm a more of the opinion of, I mean, I think this is a big game because they have not put four quarters together yet. And we, we know, we've seen them, when they're at their best, they are as good as anybody in the country. That's, you know, and I, I rip it off each week. But 22 nothing run this week. A 17 nothing run, too, to end the game. 28 nothing against Boston College. 24-7 to against Clemson. 38-3 to against LSU. Like, they've gone on these runs where they just overwhelm teams. But they haven't done it for full four quarters. And I would like to see that. Now, does that mean 50 to 6? Probably not. Syracuse has got some players. They're not horrible. This isn't North Alabama. You're only a 17 point favorite. It's not like the 17 point favorites haven't lost before. So it wouldn't be uh, a stunning, stunning upset. But if they play well, they'll beat Syracuse badly. And then I feel like that's what I, that's, you know, I want to see that. I want to see two um, dominant wins in a row going into Duke because I just think, I mean, I think Duke's a challenge, man. I think their defense is going to be good. Again, we don't know about the quarterback, but they have a, they have the ability here in this month to really get rolling, right? Like last year they got rolling and it was almost too late because well, it was too late. They lost three games. <clears throat> you know what I mean? They got rolling. And at the end of the year, they were really good, but they lost those three games in October. Well, imagine if they get rolling now this October going into Miami and Florida in an ACC championship game. That's kind of what I want to see because then it gets really fun. And this is kind of like this month should be like the springboard month. Like they they survived the first month. They had some great moments, but they also had some horrible moments. If they springboard into a dominant team ish, dominant ish team, like they were to end the, the regular season last year, that could mean everything in December. Um, so I, I, that's what I want to see more than anything, honestly. It's just um, I, I, want, I want them to be able to, to come out, handle Syracuse um, emphatically, expre- you know, just kind of exert their will and their dominance, and then, you know, keep doing that. Because, you know, I know Wake Forest isn't great, but that's a road game. Pitt is not good at all. It's a road game. This team has not proven quite yet that it can go hammer teams on the road. Last year's team did. But can this year's team? We'll see. But first things first, I think you need to go get two blowout wins in a row. Going into Duke, which could be, a, like you said, it's going to be a primetime game. If Duke handles business this weekend, could be two ranked teams playing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I guess I just – I don't even know what your question was now that I've talked so much. Um, but I, I just think that I want to see them play a full four quarters, as close to a full four quarters as they can. They're not going to be perfect. Nobody is. But show us that – that dominant stretch for just a little bit longer than you have the last few weeks. Understood. I just, the, the question was kind of the game, not game pressure, but just the pressure of expectations oh, right. and where they're at, because, you know, again, I'm going to keep kind of comparing and Maybe I'll stop now. Cause I've realized that like that Thursday or whatever night it was in Dope Campbell stadium before the LSU game, just how crisp and awesome they look that week and like trying to chase or that night and trying to chase that. It's like, well, man, that was first game of the year. It's LSU. You know you have to be on it. Clemson, we saw a, a more aggressive, a little bit more assertive coaching 
uh, that was done because they realized just how important it was. But this feels like surreal because we're talking about them playing Clemson and you can talk about the two-year anniversary of this game or that game. Like, yeah. you know, they were dead in the water going against Syracuse two years ago, right? Uh, and yeah. then that game kind of turned everything around. So it's weird to think about, like, man, they are number four in the country. But it, it doesn't seem like there's this huge target on their back or this huge weight on their shoulder. Like, will it set in? Is this team, they've been kind of immune to it so far, it seems like. Like, when that first playoff poll drops off, will then it feel real? Will then it, the pressure uh, be on their shoulders? Because I don't even know if the Duke game really will because without Riley Leonard there, you know, in the back of their head, I still think they'll feel a little bit of superiority, which is well-earned and well-deserved at this point. Yeah, but I think the pressure comes from in the in the moment, right? Like, how are they going to handle in the moment of, you know, if they're down to Miami 17 to 13 in the third quarter and all their hopes and aspirations are hanging in the balance, how do they handle that? They haven't really had that yet. A Clemson, like Clemson game. Yeah, you know. yeah, Clemson, and, and I thought they handled it well, quite honestly. Uh, you know, the offense wasn't great, but that's an incredible defense. That's, a, that's as good a defense you're going to face. And like we said, they after handling it poorly to start the game, they finished on a 24-7 to run. Um, and then Boston College, they handled it terribly. You know, that, that, that again, when I talked about that game, it was a, it was not a good win. But the only, way, the only reason it was a good win is because you, it would have been a devastating loss. And, you know, you put that same you, – you say the same thing about Syracuse and Virginia Tech. Like, if you lose these two games, they are devastating losses. Absolutely. Um, so there's some pressure There's some pressure that comes with that. But, man, I don't know. I don't I – don't, I really, I really kind of buy into um, what Norvell preaches, that, that they really do just kind of concentrate on themselves. And it's not, it's not the Jimbo keep the circle tight kind of thing. But they do – I didn't see any – like you said, I, I didn't – really see any difference in this practice than most practices um they just they practice hard and they have expectations but i don't know i don't, I don't yeah, think no the, no the i agree with you i'm not disagreeing all that playoff. that's that's the crazy thing to me though it's like man you're number four in the country like you have everything ahead of you all your goals are intact like you are you know you have maybe one of the more favorable paths to the playoff and i get it, it's only the second Correct. week of october but like it's it's interesting to me to see a team that two years ago was nowhere near this level of success experiencing it and kind of handling it well and I just wonder if there's going to be a point where it does feel real like I wonder if they realize just how far they really have come because we asked these yeah, guys like, I, you know go ahead I was going to say yeah I asked Toa Feely about that like just if he appreciates because he was there in 2020 yeah. um, so you know what it's like to be on the number four team in the country. And I do wonder as we get closer, because you're right, I don't think it's real yet. It's five games. Like, wait till you're on game nine. And, you know, there, there's only three undefeated teams left, and you happen to be one of them. There is some pressure that comes with that. Um, and, I, you know, that's something they haven't proven yet. They've proven they can rally from a losing streak. They've proven they can leap ahead light years from where they were two years ago. Uh, they haven't proven necessarily – that um, they can handle the pressure of a playoff chase. And let's be honest, man, their pressure is different than Georgia's pressure because Georgia can lose a game. Um, Alabama, if Alabama wins out, they're going to the playoff, and they lost the game at home. Right. If Texas wins out, they might probably go to the playoff. Michigan-Ohio Michigan State can, can game. Yeah. yeah, one of them can lose a game. Florida State is almost certainly in the position where they can. Um, so there is some pressure that comes with that. But it's also like – don't don't you hope they're just in a weird way kind of have the uh, the mindset that I have? Isn't this cool that we're here? 
Like, isn't it fun that in, we're playing games that matter in the middle of October that, like, really matter? We're not trying to get to eight wins. We're not trying to get to a bowl. We're not trying to be the 28th team in Florida State history that's won 10 games. We're trying to get to the national playoff. Hmm. Like, I hope they appreciate that. Isn't there that, that saying pressure is a um, privilege? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's really, you know, it's cool that, that they are in a moment like this because so many of these guys, literally think about them, Aslan. Think about this team. I was even thinking about uh, Toa Feely. Like three years ago, he was down in the in Hard Rock losing to Miami 52-10. to 10. Um, These offensive linemen had to start as true freshmen. The other ones were at Colorado and UTEP. And Bless Harris was from where? Lamar. Where is he from? Lamar. Lamar. Kyle Morlock is from Shorter College. Jared Burst is from Albany. Uh, Jaheen Bell was on a mediocre South Carolina team. Jordan Travis almost switched to wide receiver and came from Louisville. And Willie Taggart never played him. Like, all these guys, I I hope they really do appreciate the fact that they're even in this moment they're even in the in a chance they're even have a chance to play for something like this this isn't kool-aid mckinstry and uh you know carson beck who joined these juggernaut programs who their their whole expectation was to be right where they are i just think they're don't you think that don't you hope that they like they have the mindset of like why not us and isn't this cool that we're doing this because i think if you play with that mindset and you don't let the pressure of expectations weigh you down you're going to play that much better. And well, you, this team, this team is not loaded with, um, you know, dudes with great uh, resumes from high school. They're just not. There's not a, a bunch of five-star super duper kids. Now, there you hope they're coming, but this team is kind of a team of blue-collar, hard-work kids that a lot of them probably never thought they'd be in a situation like this, and yet here they are on the number four team in the country. Yeah, I, I wonder if maybe that plays into, I know it's early, but I wonder if that's going to play into being like a benefit for them. Not even so much from like a national yeah. storyline perspective where, like, listen, if Florida State already has a reputation no matter what. I think you either love Florida State or you don't like Florida State, but like the stories that will get told in Charlotte, the stories that will get told in a national playoff, we're like, yeah, you're dealing with those expectations, that pressure in Georgia, it's a different level of pressure. But like when you're these guys and you you sacrifice so much and you were under recruited and not appreciated and you all came together and like all the stars kind of aligned and like not trying to romanticize the sport, but like maybe that could be something that's actually going to be a benefit for this team. When you talked about the fact that like listen, they've they've never had to deal with the pressure of a of a national championship race. Maybe this weird sort of ragtag background of all of them kind of insulates them, give them a little bit of some sort of weird protective cocoon from all this nonsense. Curious to see how it's yeah, going to work out, but you know it's it's there. Yeah, and I, I just don't, I think it will. I, I hope it will. It should. I hope they. And again, I hope they appreciate it. Verse Jared Verse talked after the game on Saturday about Fabian Lovett and Kalen Deloach, and like the fact that they're they're it means the world to them. That's what he kept saying. It means the world to them for for Florida State to be undefeated and top five in the country because they went through. I mean, it's they just went through the the uh, a ditch essentially a long ditch. And they had some awful, awful times. And then here they are. They, they just, I think they appreciate it more. I think they'll appreciate the moment more. And I think, you know, again, when you look at this team, and it's, it, you know, you said ragtag, I think you said. And I, and, I, and I kind of, I don't disagree. Like, all your best players were not wanted at the places they came from. I shouldn't say all of them. But Jordan Travis wasn't wanted at Louisville. He wasn't even wanted by Willie Taggart. Johnny Wilson wasn't really wanted at Arizona State. Trey Benson didn't have a place to play at Oregon. Keon Coleman was wanted at Michigan State, but he wasn't wanted by LSU, which was his hometown team. 
like they all have chips on their shoulders and they all were kind of counted out so many of them that it's really cool and they were counted out two years ago this whole program was they were the laughing stock of college football after the jacksonville state game and here we are two years later and if they play like they're capable of playing they'll be in the college football playoff in two months that's really neat and i hope they appreciate it VitaminEnergy.com, promo code is WordChampBogo, WordChampBOGO. Don't want to call names of this weather, Mother Nature. Silly, silly. It was like 50 degrees in Tallahassee on Tuesday morning, and then it was 80-something degrees by the afternoon. That kind of stuff usually gets me out of sorts, Corey. So you know what I did? I reached for my Vitamin Energy, but my Immune Plus Vitamin Energy, which I ration out because the Tango Orange is the absolute best flavor of all the vitamin energies. So like, I've got the peace of mind that I've just totally boosted my immune system with all the vitamin C that's in the shot, but also the energy's there because it's vitamin with benefits. Crushed my 42-inch box jump on Tuesday afternoon, Corey, holding a 15-pound medicine ball. I'm like, wow. Maybe it's because I took a nap before I came here. I'm like, no, no, but it's, it's probably, it's certainly the vitamin energy. So the Immune Plus, it's undefeated. I'll always go for it best tasting and you know the weather's going all sorts of crazy get yourself some insurance uh other than your sleep by taking a shot of vitamin energy immune plus with all those vitamins in there go to vitaminergy.com promo code is wordchamp bogo that's wordchamp b-o-g-o no spaces in there and buy one item get one item of equal or lesser value for absolutely free courtesy of the florida state alums at the helm at vitaminergy.com shake it and take it vitamin energy y'all Corey, uh, weird show today, everybody. Apologize. Just like the, the topics, the thoughts. But one thought I had, and this is a, maybe a week old baking in my head, where it finally came around to me here. But you know how the, the, the transfer window, I guess, is being a little bit more tightened? I guess it's, what, it's like a total of 45 days now. Uh, for football, it's 30 right. days. 30 days uh, in December and then 15 days in the, in the fall. Or, I'm sorry, after spring football. Uh, it's weird because the way the AP wrote it out was that the window opens uh, in Dece- on December 4th, I guess that Monday after the championship weekends. But on the NCAA website, it says something about when the champion is determined. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They're going to wait for, you know, mid-January to open this thing up, which kind of would make a little bit more sense, but I digress. To my point, though, Corey, it actually the window for transfer is going to be December 4th until January 3rd which is pretty much your entire preparation for the playoff if you're involved in it. And I don't know if any other team right now, as we look at the top four right now and kind of project who's probably going to be there, is going to have to maybe get on the horn as much as Florida State. First world problem, good problem. Uh, like I don't think George is going to necessarily be working the phones as hard as Mike Norvell and, and staff. Uh, how tricky do you think that's going to be for this program if they make it to that point where their preparation for that semifinal game is going to coincide with them bringing guys on campus, making phone calls, getting on the jet airplane and visiting these kids because uh, they're going to lose a lot of these guys. Is that something that's, that is worth thinking about even though it is October at this point right now? Um, no. Let's let's I, like you said. That's a first world problem and a great problem to have. Um, and if you're if you're if you're worried about how you're going to do with the portal because you're planning for a playoff game, uh, you th- that's good stuff. You're going to be happy with that. But also, the portal is so different than the regular recruiting cycle, right? Like you hear all these stories where some of these guys don't even visit. 
the, it's a whirlwind. Like Johnny Wilson's getting a call from Florida State on a Monday and then committing on a Thursday. So it's not like um, it's a. And all these kids want to have a home. They want to find a home fast. So it is expedited. Um, and look, Norvell, he's got people that do this stuff for him. Like they identify. Not only do they identify who they want, they they identify how much it might cost. Um, and, and so he's got all these people doing this for him where I think, you know, he's obviously going to be, it's, you know, it's like, uh, the LJ, the story I told to me, it's like the story I told on yesterday's show about Brady in the, in the official visit with LJ McCray, like, you know, Mike Norvell was still mostly thinking about Virginia tech, but he's part of the job is to, um, you know, compartmentalize and, um, and, you know, divide your time up and recruit. And I think he's, you know, so he knows that even if he's having to devise a game plan to beat Michigan, he's still got to make sure his roster is loaded for next year. And he's got a lot of people to help him with that. Um, so, no, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, because most teams won't have nearly the holes to fill that Florida State will, just because we think they're going to lose a lot of guys. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, the, the, you know, it didn't – I wonder how much – like, I don't know when the playoff games are but I feel like they're going to be around the same time the Oklahoma game was, right? So, you know, they, they still were able to manage a game plan for Oklahoma. I know, they were but great that's that the game. Cracker Bowl, Corey. You're talking about a national playoff you got to get ready for. And meanwhile, you know I, 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 I'm tired of you calling it the Cracker Bowl. Cheez-Its are better than that. Okay. They deserve more uh, respect than you just called them crackers because they're different than crackers. And I'm sorry I even called them Cheez-Its. We know the plural of a cheese it is a cheese it cracker. You're right. I apologize. But you're cor- yeah, you're correct. It, it is different. I get it. It's it's different when you're playing Michigan, but Oklahoma. But it's not like that Oklahoma game didn't mean anything to them. Like they they really did want to win that game, um, and they they did game plan for it. I think Norvell just kind of knows one speed, um, and it's also man, December. It's crazy what this month has become in this sport. Because you're right, even if they're not in the playoff, they're going to be preparing for a bowl game. They also have to figure out who's coming back and who's out there for them to get all in a 30-day span. It's going to be chaos. It's it's going to be more chaotic than it's ever been, um, and it gets it keeps getting more chaotic every year. So I get it. It's it, it, I think it is a worry. It's a bridge you need to worry about when you get there because there's still, what, nine game, eight games to win. MyBookie.ag promo code is WarChant. When you sign up for the first time at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code WarChant, you get an instant cash deposit bonus uh, on a percentage based on how much you deposit into your account to start things up over at MyBookie.ag. I've been crushing it on Thursday nights. haven't given you guys those picks, but it's been in my group text with my buddies back home, so maybe I should start doing that. But tonight's Wednesday. Two games, FIU hosting UTEP. FIU giving out only two at home against UTEP. That's sneaky. Going to take FIU, though. We'll take FIU at home, minus two against UTEP. They ain't going to have Jeremiah Byers, y'all. And then how about this one? Sam Houston State at New Mexico State. The Aggies, not to be confused with the New Mexico Lobos. Wolves, some might say. Man, I don't think Sam Houston State's won a single game this year. But they've been pretty competitive. And they're getting three and a half. Almost want to say, let's just go ahead and jump on the Bearcat straight up. But let's just take the three and a half. Uh, we'll go Sam Houston State plus three and a half. FIU minus two. Those, my picks. And if I uh, earn the right to, I'll, I'll let you know what I think about Thursday's 
slate of action as well. Go to my bookie, pick your winners, championship game winner futures available, Heisman Trophy futures available, and a live casino. It's all over at mybookie.ag where you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. All right. Well, I tried, man. I'm just sitting here stretching, trying to fill a show out. Uh, who made you chuckle more the other night? Mark Stoops. <laughs> Uh, who made you chuckle more when lamenting uh, the state of college football and NIL the other day more? Uh, was it Mark Stoops reclined, slouched back in his chair during his coach's show, or uh, Dino Babers at the podium when asked about it from the Syracuse media? Yeah, can you give the context to both for the for the listeners? I, I, I think it was Stoops, but Dino always makes me laugh, too. Yeah. Well, Stoops was – you know, kind of asked about the fact that they make their bones apparently at Kentucky beating up on lesser teams in the conference, which is true. Apparently, since he's been there, uh, they have never beat a team in conference that finished the season with a winning record in conference. Um, and then he kind of lamented. He, he said that, that wasn't true, but it actually was. And he's like, listen, um, I know what you're saying, and, and it's tough to beat a team like Georgia. You guys can, can criticize. That's fair. I just hope that you would – uh, help help us out with NIL because it's a real thing. I promise you Georgia's bought players too. It's legal. Uh, that's kind of what you have to do. So it was a, a weird kind of weird deflection he made. Meanwhile, I guess Dino was asked about depth being a concern at this point and whether they have it to fill holes. And he was like, listen, is that there is no depth. All of our depth is in the portal and gone. Uh, depth is bought yeah. by other opponents. So uh, kind of echoing what he told us on Radio Row in Charlotte. Um, it's it's interesting. We mentioned this at practice. You and myself, Matt, and I were talking about it. In this day and age, like you can actually call out coaches or other programs. Dino didn't. Uh, Mark Soup's called right. out Georgia, but but Dino was like, "Listen, Florida State's done it right. Two years ago, they needed a field goal to beat us. Last year, they you know pretty much humiliated us. So uh, there's a right way to do it. Uh, which one did you find more interesting? Yeah." They're both interesting in their own ways, but they're both basically saying the same thing, and it's true. There's nothing that Stoops said that's wrong. Like, you know, maybe it's not the best look to say, hey, if you guys would actually give me some players, you, you have the right to criticize me more. Um, but look, man, he's he's not wrong. Um, you know, can it's just that's the sport, man. That That's the sport. It's crazy that it's become like this. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm 100% for it or 100% against it, but how crazy would it be if after Sunday night's game, Mike McCarthy of the Cowboys was like, guys, talking to the Cowboys fans, like if you want, uh, you know, one of the Bosa brothers here, go get me one, go pay for one. Like that's the, that's the world we live in right now where literally everybody is a free agent and they all can go to the highest bidder once. And so Kentucky overnight could become a top 10 program if they had the right investment. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like that's, there are no guardrails on this sport right now, but Kentucky isn't a football school. So that's probably not going to happen. And it's definitely not going to happen at Syracuse. Um, but it's, you know, I think he's, these coaches aren't wrong to say, look, man, we got guys that we thought were going to be our second string guys or our starters that left. And we don't fill them with as good of players. We develop them a place like Syracuse. We'll develop a corner. It's a pretty good corner. Then LSU grabs them. And then what? You know, and, and so they can lament it all they want, and I get it, but it's the reality, and I think Florida State fans need to be very thankful um, and show a lot of gratitude for this roster and how it was put together because uh, there aren't a lot of schools that have the the, uh, what do you say, the machinations in place 
the machinery in place to put together a roster like this. But, you know, does it sound like Stoops is making an excuse or does it sound like he's telling the truth? It sounds like an explanation. It sounds like an explanation, not an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but a fair counter would be, well, it's not like Kentucky beats Georgia a lot before NIL. Yeah. But it's Kentucky football. It's like it's like a Georgia basketball fan being upset that Georgia basketball doesn't beat Kentucky a lot in that sport. It's like they're 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 on two different tiers. But Stoops' point is, how do you expect me to compete with them when they're buying the best players and I can't? It's you know, talent wins out. So he's I think he's pleading for the basketball pocketbooks to open up for football. It'll be interesting to see if it ever does. And it'll also be interesting to see how much longer this lasts. Because I don't think it's going to last um, all that much longer. So Florida State took advantage and jumped at the exact right time to get the NIL business. According to the On3 transfer portal ranking, Syracuse ranked 63rd in 2023, their class. They lost 12, but they did sign 10. Um, Ranked ahead of them at 62nd, none other than the Georgia Bulldogs, who transferred in four guys, lost 15 players. Wildly, somehow, Florida State on this was 10th. LSU, Wisconsin, Arkansas, all these teams ranked ahead of Florida State. Do you uh, think, though, I don't, know, I don't know that Stoops was talking about the, the portal as much as retention with NIL money. Yeah, I was meaning Dino. Dino's, like, Dino oh, made it okay. sound like they've been absolutely pilfered and he hasn't been able to right. do anything. And it's like, well, you lost 12. You did bring in 10. So it wasn't like you guys totally sat on your hands. But, yeah, it, Mark Stoops is, is a little bit different, his argument. Yeah. Or recruits in general. Like, it's a lot easier to get recruits if you've got, if you've got a bag. And bags are legal now. Um, you know, some of these schools have always had bags. Looking at USCC, but uh, bags are legal now. You give them what, whatever they, you know, there, there's an asking price for them. Um, I definitely think that needs to go away. Um, but who am I? You know, I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude. But uh, I, I think that um, with, with the, this sport, you, you're going to see more and more of this as you as you were trying to point out. Like, the, and I don't even think it's calling out Kirby. Like Kirby has nothing to apologize for. Yeah. Like Kirby could just be like, yeah. We've got a passionate fan base that cares about his team. Sorry, Mark. Right. Sorry, Mark. Your team, your your fan base is uh, cares about another sport a great deal more. That's a bummer. Come coach at a football school. You'll love it. <laughs> like it's. I, I don't even think Kirby would take offense to it. Certainly not like Jimbo did uh, with Saban a couple. You know, whatever that was a year and a half ago. Yeah. But um, you know, it is what it is. It's. I, I did think it was funny. I, I think you know, Dino is always good for stuff like that. Didn't he say? When you talk to him on Radio Row in Charlotte, that when you asked him about how Florida State had turned it around, he didn't really credit Norvell all that much. He credited the NIL. Well, he did, but then he also said that you know Mike's done it right. Like, and he was like, "Yeah, he's like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, salty about it." He's like, you know, they've done it the right way, but that's, you know, that's largely what it's been you know, the reason behind it, which is true, man. Because listen, he he coached two years here at this school without great talent, and we saw what yes. it looked like, and now we've seen him coach. One season with good talent and one season with great talent, and they won ten games with good talent, and they're undefeated and ranked number fourth in the country with great talent. So, um, it's it, it does kind of all work itself out. It all kind of goes a little bit hand in hand. Uh, Corey, will the Braves pull it out later tonight against the Phils? How you feel? You know, probably probably not. Um, they don't need. They're out of pitching, but. I really did think it was cool. Like, I, you know, the, the baseball postseason, Aslan, as you know, is such a crapshoot. 
Um, it's ridiculous. They've got to figure out a way to make it more equitable for the teams that actually do the best in the regular season. But I don't know what the answer is. But I will say it was one of the best Braves teams of my lifetimes. And I shouldn't talk about them like they're already dead. But, you know, they, they, they're it's 50-50 at best whether they win this series. And they're certainly, the, you know, 11 of the 12 teams don't win the World Series. So odds are they're not going to win the World Series. But it was one of the best uh, teams of my lifetime, probably the best. It was certainly, I think, the most fun to watch of my lifetime. And I was going to be really depressed if they just got swept away by the Phillies and just looked lifeless and hitless. So just for them to have that moment in that stadium, those two moments, the Riley Homer and then the Harris catch double play, man, did you see the fan? Did you see the videos of those, like just the crowd reaction? I did, it, it, it's cool that this team, no matter what happens the rest of the month, got an all-time moment like that and got to experience an all-time great moment like that because that's one of the better, I don't know, 10-minute stretches in Braves postseason history. It was really cool. So hopefully they win the rest of their games. They win 10 more games, and I'm celebrating another World Series title. But even if they don't, which is the likelihood, uh, man, it's cool that they got to have a moment like that. Yeah, it was incredible. I saw both of them live. I mean, not in person, but, like, I had the game on live, and I watched the Austin Riley home run and then the uh, game-ending double play. So it was like, and, and the game was over, like, in three hours and 15 minutes. It was amazing. And then I went back to watching the boring-as-all-get-out Monday night football game. Uh, yeah, so, no lie, right? And it's baseball in October, man. You know, I'm a football guy through and through, but basketball in March, baseball in October, uh, it's right up there. Uh, with my Saturdays and in the I fall. And I, it is, man. It's a great time of year. People always talk about, like, the Masters week or whatever that is because it's the Final Four. It's the start of baseball season. It's uh, it's the Masters. But I, I love this stretch, man. The NBA is getting ready to start. Uh, the NHL has started. The baseball playoffs are going on, and college football and the NFL are right in the mick of their uh, – right in the mick, right in the thick of their season. Um, it's a great – man, this is the best I – think, I think this stretch, October, might be my favorite sports month. I really do. And also, I feel bad for Ira. You know, he hasn't, he has not had a reason to cheer for a baseball team in darn near 25 years. And he's, his team had a great year. The Orioles were awesome. They had the second best record in the league. And look, I have no idea how the game's going to go. We're in transparency. I don't, we're recording this as the Orioles and uh, Rangers take the field. Uh, but I, I'm not assuming the Orioles are going to win the next three games. And it's just a bummer. They're like, I don't know what you can do. I don't. What, what what would be fair, Aslan? I know that's not what the purpose of this show is, but what would be fair for the Braves and Dodgers and Orioles, who had the three best records in the major leagues, to give them more of an advantage, because clearly it isn't one, than just the first two games at home in a five-game series after a week layoff? I don't know, just home field like, the entire what, series in five games? That's what I was suggesting. Uh, I Yes, like you do in the wild card. The Phillies got to host the Marlins, would have hosted the Marlins for all three games if it had gone three games. I feel like if you win the division and you get a bye, you get all five games at home. Number one, make it a seven-game series, and then I'll. But as long as it's a five-game series, one extra home game in baseball of all sports, where home field advantage means the least. Um, well, I don't know about that. Maybe hockey, but it's close. Um, it, it, there just needs to, I mean, look at this. You might have the Diamondbacks and, I don't know, man, the, the Diamondbacks and the Rangers in the World Series. And, you know, it just, 
I, I just think winning your division should, in a, especially in a sport like baseball, where it's such a long sport and it does matter over the course of a of a long see a long grueling season. I feel like there should be more of an advantage than getting a week off where you can't get any, you lose your rhythm. You know, baseball is a game you're supposed to play every day, not take a week off, and then have to play your most important games. And then, uh, you know, it's a truncated series, which doesn't make sense. It should be a seven-game series. The Bra- You should have to beat the Braves or the Orioles or the Dodgers four times to knock them out of the postseason. Hmm. And now I'm off my uh, – I'm, I'm done ranting about uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. All right. Anything else you want to add about practice, football, Florida State in general, or should we just let everybody know that the Renegade Express mailbag thread is up on the Tribal Council and to get involved? I think you handled it, I, and I, I would like to apologize again for uh, being in a car. No, uh, going no, to apologies. See this no apologies. Crazy no. kid. Well, I'm apologizing to you. I'm apologizing to them. I know it's not the best audio, and we really do appreciate you listening anyway. Um, I avoided all accidents for now. I don't want to jinx it. Uh, this guy is right on my butt. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get over, get out of his way. And people in Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, drive like maniacs. Um, but, yeah, so I, I really do appreciate people sticking with me, even though I don't probably sound as good as I normally do. You know when you're I still in, look as good. Yeah. Do. You know when you guys are recording headlines and you're in the studio and, like, the light comes on and says on air, like when you guys are live on air, <laughs> like recording in yeah. progress? We need to get some sort of yeah. tally light on your car that lets people know, like, in your back windshield that says, like, you know, recording in progress. So people know that you're making magic on the That's pod it. and they can just kind of drive around you and not mean mug you and, you know, tailgate you. I'll not only that, on. not only do we say recording, we not only do we say recording in progress. We the name of the show, <laughs> recording wake up war chant. So then people will be like, "Well, that's crazy." Is that dude really recording a podcast? And then they'll listen to it all to right. hear me in a car. So yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. As long that's one of your better ones. I try, I try. All right, uh, we'll be out of practice. Ira, myself, Matt Lasier. So stay connected. Uh, Ten o'clock or so, some practice footage. Uh, the guys that you want to know about practicing. Um, Half and half practice, I guess that's probably the most that we can say, but uh, maybe we'll have some more clues that we can lay out for you on tomorrow's show. Go over to the Tribal Council. We will have the Renegade Express thread up on there. Post your comments, and uh, we'll do an entire show dedicated to them. So we'll talk to you then. He's Corey Amazon. Thanks for listening to Wake Up Board Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.